Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. Hey, welcome Watermark Church. Good to have you guys here. We're in the man cave here th- this morning, and it's so good to have our, all our online guests here today with us, whether you're a first-time guest or whether you're a faithful family member. We're just blessed to have you with us today, and hope you're having a great weekend. It's beautiful outside. Hope you're enjoying the weather. Hope you're enjoying some, the good things that God has given us in our life. And one of the great things that God has given us is the chance to gather together. You know, in a world of social distancing, we are not spiritual distancing. We're still coming together to pray, to praise, to get, to get into God's Word and encourage one another towards love and good deeds. And I'm always encouraged by you. This week, I was so encouraged by the Watermark family. Uh, we had two great blessings in our life. The first blessing was the fact that I, I got a new grandson. Number eight, Deacon, came to us. And you heard Ben's message last week, and I hope you, if you didn't, go ahead and check that out on the Watermark website and listen to the beautiful blessing of a new son, Deacon, and all that God did to bring that child to Ben. We're celebrating. So fun to hold new life in our hands. And then the second blessing was a little bit of a, a mixed blessing. See, I was a little jealous because Deacon was getting all the attention, so I tried to do a, a handstand on my mountain bike to sort of get some attention didn't go so well until I flipped over the handlebars. (laughs) I cracked two ribs. I punctured a lung. I was out of my back. I had to go to the hospital. And that wasn't a blessing. But what was a blessing is all the texts I received from you guys and the prayers and and, and, and the phone calls. And I knew that I was not alone. My wife couldn't visit me in the hospital, but you guys were pouring out prayers. You guys were encouraging me. You guys were lightening my life up with your encouragement and your hope. So thank you for that. We're all so blessed to be a family. And that's what we're celebrating really in this series, Lighten Up, is how the church family, as we look back at the early church in the book of Acts, how they came together in a powerful way and they lightened things up by being a community of faith, by being a community of hope, by being a community of love. They shared the burden. Nobody was isolated. Nobody was alone. Everybody felt connected. Everybody felt a one. And through that, there was an incredible power that united them to share God's love and grace with the community around them. And I want to talk about one of the powerful aspects in the book of Acts that the early church used to lighten things up, to bring fun back to faith, right? How do you bring fun back to faith? Sometimes faith can be dreary and boring and drudgery, but how do we lighten up and bring fun back to faith? One of the best ways to do that in my life, and the Bible teaches us this, is through the gift of generosity. There is something so fun and so, so joyful and such a blessing to give yourself away, whether it's your time, your talents, your treasures, to another person who's needy and who's struggling. It's just amazing what that does. As a matter of fact, uh, the Apostle Paul talked about this in the book of 2 Corinthians. He said actually giving is fun. He said actually giving lightened things up, and God loves a cheerful giver. In 2 Corinthians uh, Verse, chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, Paul says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously, right, also reaps generously. There's something that happens when we share generously that not only blesses the receiver, but also blesses the giver. It transforms the whole lot. And that's what we see. And so 
Paul says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. God doesn't force us to give. He doesn't rip our stuff out of our hands. That's not what God does. He's not a guilter. He's a grace giver. And so he wants us to give out of a generous, joyful heart to bless others. And so he says, give out of generosity, not out of compulsion, not out of fear, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word in the original Greek, cheerful, is hilarious. That's where we, it's hilarion. It's where the word we get hilarious from. God loves a hilarious giver, a joyful giver, somebody that's boundless, somebody that's limitless, somebody that doesn't care about it and gives generously. It just lightens up life when you see people do that, like I see many people do in the world today. Through the COVID crisis, we've seen the dark side of the crisis, but the beautiful side of the crisis is so many people are coming together to give their gifts, their talents, their treasures to help others in need. And I see you do that at Watermark as well. It's just a blessing. It lightens life up. And that's what the early church did. It puts a smile on the face of God. Isn't it amazing that it says God loves a cheerful giver, that we can put a smile on the face of God, that through our faithful giving, it brings joy to our Heavenly Father? That's amazing. And that was the mark of the early church. As we open up our Bibles to Acts chapter 4, if you want to look along with me, verses 32 to 35, it gives this beautiful picture of the early church and their generosity. The gift of generosity was lightening life up by the burden sharing, by the load lifting, by the bringing of hope in a dark time. So everybody had their needs met. Everybody's sensing the love and grace of God. Here's what it says. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was powerfully at work in them. All that they were among them, there were no needy persons with them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money of the sales, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to those who had need. This is a beautiful picture of generosity. This is a beautiful picture of a community coming together to serve one another and using their resources so everyone, everyone felt the goodness and grace of God. And there was an incredible lightness, an incredible love, an incredible joy. It brought laughter to their soul. And so they were really, really light. And the reason for that was that money was not their master. Money was not the God that controlled their life. Money was not at the center of their heart. Uh, Jesus talked about it this way. He said, you can't serve two masters. You can't love money and God at the same time because they're both vying for the center spot in your heart. They both want to be first place in your life. Jesus said you cannot serve both God and mammon. He actually called money mammon a false god a God that is animated. It, money is not neutral in our life. In terms of the spiritual world, money is, 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 is animated. It's a false God. It's going after the allegiance of your soul. And that's the place that God desires. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to know your love so that you would know his love. He is jealous for the center of your heart. And money is jealous at the same time. There's a spiritual conflict in our world. We see it all the time between God and money. And Jesus says, you can't play this false game. You can't say, I love God and love money at the same time because it just doesn't happen. You're going to love one and hate the other. And so if you love money, you're going to use people. 
People were going to be tools to make you successful and rich. But if you love God, you're going to use money to serve people and love people. That's the difference that the early church, money was not their master. Jesus was at the center of their life. And his life, his love, his power was with them. And so they gave generously out of that full heart. Here's what it says as we break down this passage. It says that they were generous givers because they were one. All the believers were one in heart and mind. They were one because they'd been joined into a new family. They were one because they had a new nature. They had been born again by the Holy Spirit, and now they were a part of God's family. They were brothers and sisters. And so as a result, they viewed the people in their community as their own and so they gave generously out of this oneness of heart and mind. They were actually rich. And their riches had to do with their spiritual fullness in God. It says in the book of Ephesians that we should praise God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. God has not given us one blessing or two blessings. He is the most generous person in the universe. He has given all of his riches to us through his son, Jesus. And so we're spiritually rich in Christ as we accept his goodness and grace in our life. And so we give out of a fullness, not out of an emptiness, not, not, not out, out of the fact that we're trying to earn God's favor, but we give out of grace because we know we've been given everything, forgiveness, eternal life. We've been given uh, adoption in God's family and we give out of that fullness and so they gave out of their richness in Christ. They had a common identity, a common value, a common purpose. And so generosity, generosity flowed from their full hearts. That's the first thing. Generosity flows out of a heart that realizes that it's rich because of God's goodness in their life. They were generous givers. And so they were good stewards of God's stuff. You know, the Bible teaches about money. And it teaches us about stewardship versus ownership. We live in America, and the American dream is about individualism. It's about creating my own image and brand and identity. It's about my ownership of my stuff, right? But the Bible talks about a whole different paradigm, a whole different worldview, and the fact that all through the scriptures, everything is God's. And so all the stuff that we have, the time on this planet, the talents that we've been given, and the treasures that we even get through our work, they're all gifts from God, and so he ultimately owns it all. And so just like the board game, you ever played the game of life, the board game with your kids? You play the game of life or you play any kind of a board game with your kids, at the end of the game, what happens? All the stuff goes back in the box, right? All the stuff goes back in the box and you put the game up. At the end of the game of life, the Bible teaches that it all goes back in the box. All of our stuff, all our possessions, we can't take our stuff with us. It all goes back in the box. And so the Bible says we don't own it, it's on loan. We're actually stewards. And we're supposed to take the time and talents and treasures that God's given us and use it to invest for his glory and in the goodness of others. So we're stewards and we're not owners. And they knew that in the early church. It says no one claimed that any of his possessions was their own. It's not my stuff, it's God's stuff. And God, what do you want me to do with your stuff? What do you want me to do with your car? What do you want me to do with your money? What do you want me to do with your house? Well, the stuff that I have, it's to use for the goodness of God and the grace of others in the community. And so they were good stewards of God's stuff. They'd realized 
that everything was a gift from God. And so they were fully content. They, didn't, they, they had what they wanted, and they didn't want anymore. That's the problem with America, right? We want for more. We want for more. We've got to have more cars. We've got to have more houses. We've got to have more stuff. We're always wanting for more out of an emptiness that only God can fill. And when God fills that emptiness, we find contentment. I have what I want. I don't want anymore. I'm content with what I have. Here's a question for you. Who's more content? Jeff Bezos, the guy from Amazon, I think, what's he worth? Eight, eight billion dollars? Or Ben Appleby? He has eight kids. Is Jeff Bezos more content with eight billion dollars? Or Ben Appleby, Pastor Ben with eight kids? You know what the answer is? It's Pastor Ben Appleby. He's content because he doesn't want anymore. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't even want anymore because eight kids? Oh my gosh, how are we going to take more? He's content because he has what he wants. We're never content. Money cannot bring contentment because we always want more. Only the grace of God allows us to be content with what we have and be satisfied because we're living for a longer horizon. We're living for eternity. We're not living for 70 years. We're living for an eternal kingdom. And so we have content with what God gives it, and we use it to serve others. And that's what they did. They were good stewards, and so they used their temporary treasures to build eternal worth and value. See, that's the great wealth exchange in God's economy, right? It's not taking money from the, from the rich necessarily and giving it to the poor. It's, that's, that's not the agenda for God. God's saying, you can take the money that I've given you, and you can take temporary stuff and turn it into eternal blessings. And that's the greatness of God's grace economy, because God cares about people. God cares about living things, not temporary things. And so God gives us temporary things, and we can exchange those temporary things and invest them and build an eternal kingdom and invest them in something that's going to pay dividends into eternity. What an investment plan. Here's what Paul said to Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present world. And you know what? Jeff Bezos is not the only rich guy in this present world. As a matter of fact, if you looked at statistics throughout the world, the global economy, if you got a refrigerator, if you have over $100 in your bank account, if you got a car, you are rich. As far as the world standards are concerned, you are a rich person. We are all rich in Orange County. So this command is for us. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, put their hope in wealth, which is temporary, short-term. The COVID crisis shows us this, that wealth can go out the door just like that. It is a temporary, short-term thing. So don't put your hope in wealth because it's so uncertain, but put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God is the one who gives us every gift. And you know what? He's not a killjoy. He doesn't do that because he wants to guilt us. He does that so we will enjoy it. He provides for our needs. But you know what? He always gives us more than we need. And why does he do that? It says, command them to do good and be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, you will lay up treasure for yourselves and a firm foundation for the coming age. That's God's great investment strategy. When you invest in a person's life, when you mentor a kid and take him out of poverty and give him a hope and a future, when you invest in a homeless person and get him off his, his addiction and get him off the streets and give him a job back, 
When you give money across the world so missions can go and people can hear the good news of Jesus, when you go to Mexico with us and build a house, you're laying up an eternal foundation. You're taking your earthly stuff and transferring it into eternal hope, and you're investing in the future, the future of the kingdom, the future of eternity, and those dividends pay off forever. They can't be taken from you. This is God's great wealth plan strategy. It's about generosity and grace. And guess what? It takes your heart and it puts it in heaven. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. When you start investing in eternity, when you start investing in people, your heart goes into eternity. Your heart goes and it changes you and you find the joy and peace you're looking for in temporary things. It's suddenly the eternal stuff begins to invade your heart and it changes you. You're marked. And this was the mark of the early church. They laid up an eternal foundation and it was paying dividends even as they spoke because they had joy, they had peace, they had love because they were giving. That's where it came from, not from taking, but from giving. This is God's great transference mechanism. And so generosity flowed from them. And what it did, it gave their message incredible authenticity, right? People listened to their words about Jesus because they saw how much generous they were with their, their, their wealth, right? It, this wasn't a bait and switch. They weren't, they weren't coming in and selling some religious goods in order to take these people money. It was none of that. They didn't want any money. All they wanted was the opportunity to love these people and share God's grace through the gospel of Jesus. And so it says here, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why was their testimony powerful? Because their life showed it right? God is the most generous giver of all. He's given us everything. He did not spare. He gave his only son to die for us, to die for our sins, to die for our shame, die for our guilt. And he conquered death. He overcame it. And he rose from the dead. He offered that grace to us. He's the most generous person on the planet. He gave us the greatest gift of his son. And so when we give generously, we show the gospel to others. When we give generously out of our earthly treasure, we show the gospel to others before we tell the gospel. See, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. That's why we go to Mexico and we build homes for the poor. That's why we give them a home. When you give them a home, when you say, here's the home that I want to give you because I love you, and guess what? It comes from God. And God wants to build a home in your heart. Do you see the power behind that? There's integrity in that. That's one of the reasons why people have walked away from the church and people are turned off by the church because we're so about our stuff, we're so about our gathering, we're so about our meeting, and that is wrong. We need to be about giving ourselves away to others, taking our time, talents, and treasure. That's why we're involved in the city of Costa Mesa with many, many churches giving to the homeless on a regular basis. Your generosity on a weekly business goes to the homeless ministry in Costa Mesa. That's why we have a benevolence fund and we're giving to people in our church that have lost their jobs and paying short-term bills and doing those things so that they can see God's goodness and grace. You know, that's why we do all these things because we want people to know that the gospel's real in our life and we're willing to give up our earthly stuff in order to love them and have an opportunity to earn the right to be heard about the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what happened in the early church. You see, compassion opens the door for conversation. And we're all about God conversations. We want to help people take the next steps on their faith. We want to put no barriers in the way for people to know and hear about the goodness of God. And, that, and so the gospel had incredible legs. And ultimately, it was so powerful because they chose people over money. 
Ultimately, generosity says, I'm going to choose people over money. And that's the great definer in Orange County today. Are we going to choose money or are we going to choose people? Are we going to choose money or are we going to choose to love the ones in our house, even our kids and our children, if, even if it costs us money, you know? Are we going to choose money or people? Are we going to choose to love the homeless person, even if, even if it costs us in our business? Are we going to choose our employees at times, you know? Even if it costs us in our, in our, in our, in our financial world, what are we going to do? And they chose people over money every time. And God's grace was so powerfully at work within them that all were there. They had no needy person among them because they chose people over money. From time to time, those who owned land sold their houses and brought the money and put them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. They chose people over money. One of the most astounding miracles I saw was when I had a chance to go to Haiti with a group of guys and, and rebuild a church that had been taken out by, by, by a hurricane. And so we were down in Haiti, and we went to this village in the mountain, and, 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 and the people had been waiting for us to come. And so we come up on this school bus, and all of a sudden, as we're going up this hill in this poor, poor village, there's this line of people, and we're seeing people who are taking stuff off of their houses, their huts, their rudimentary huts, their shacks. All of a sudden, people are having pieces of wood, and people are grabbing parts off their houses, and there's this long chain that's going up the road, and they're passing these, these things up, and as we get to this, this, this broken foundation that was a church, all the people are bringing parts of their houses to lay at the foot of the church so that the church can be rebuilt, and all the communities there participating in that, they were choosing people. They were choosing God over themselves, even their houses, what a gracious thing. And they showed me such generosity. It just broke my heart. I've never taken a piece of my house off my house in order to give it away to another person. And, and that's really the heart of God. He took a piece of himself and he gave it away so we might know his goodness. And when we do that, when we choose people over money, we show people the heart of God. Because guess what? You can't take it with you, but you can take people with you. You can take people with you. Every person that you share, that you love, and you give the goodness of God and the gospel. Every person that says yes to Jesus, they're going to be in eternity with God. You can take people with you. And that's why we're here, to show God's generosity and show his grace so people come to know the kingdom of God. And that's how the early church lightened things up. And we want to thank you as a Watermark staff because I can't believe during this crisis that they told us that giving in churches was going to drop 30%. And guess what? It hasn't dropped at Watermark Church. It's remained the same because you guys have been committed to continue to give generously so homeless people can be fed, so the Benevolence Fund is full and we're helping meet the needs of people that have lost their jobs, so we continue the work in Mexico. We can continue to do the work of goodness because of your generosity. And I want to invite you to join me. You've heard the, the, the invitation to join us this wonderful outreach we're doing, the family food outreach, where we're partnering with our Latino church in Santa Ana, and we're getting bags of food, and we're going to go to these, these houses of these underprivileged and poor hurting people, and we're going to share a meal with them. We're going to give them food and groceries, and we're going to pray over them. And if you go to the Watermark website, push events, there's a whole grocery list that you can buy. You can bring it to the church this Tuesday and drop it off. And then Saturday the 30th, we're going to gather. We're going to take this to needy families. We're going to pray for them, and we're going to bless them. We love you to participate in that. But thank you so much for your generosity. It lightens light up, life up. It's such a beautiful day. So I want to pray for you.
As we close our time here today, I want to thank you again for being with us. I want to pray for you, especially if you're here for the first time and maybe you have needs. Maybe you're feeling not so generous because you've lost your job or you're hurting in such a way that you're struggling. Well, let us help you. We have funds. We have a generosity fund. Email Ben or I and let us know how we can serve you and help you in your time of need. We would love to come alongside you. But those of you who are full at this time and God has given you, I want to thank you and commend you for giving so much and pray a blessing on your life for the generosity that you've been giving to our church. Let's bow our heads as we close our session and thank God for his goodness. Father, thanks so much for this day. Thank you for all the folks that have joined us here today. Thank you for the gift of generosity. That's why you sent your son. You are a generous, giving God. That's why we have forgiveness, and we have the gift of eternal life, and we have new freedom through your spirit. And Lord, continue to help us to be a generous church. Bless those that are giving generously. May they, they feel the joy of being gracious, joyful givers. Fill them up with your goodness and your, your love. May they know that you are smiling at them. And Lord, those people that are broken and are hurting in our audience here today, that have lost their jobs, that are maybe suffering because of the COVID crisis, that are struggling. Lord, help them to take that step. I know it's hard to reach out. It's hard to say that I have need. Help them to have that courage to reach out to us and say, here's my need, because we want to serve them and help them to know your love. And so be with them and give them peace and give them grace and meet their needs. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us here today. God bless you guys. Have a great day. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.